This is the read and rant. We just spend 20 to 30 minutes reading scripture, and then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the word. Uh, what I endeavor to do is to journey with you all in uh, reading throughout, throughout the entire scripture. I want to journey with you through the entire uh, Bible. And I believe just simply that journey alone will transform your life. It will transform your life. It will um, it will change your perspective because I found that a lot of people, they can be intimidated by even the verses that they read because they don't read those verses in light of the totality of the scripture. And so what better way than to first start off by exposing ourselves to the totality of scripture. And then from there, let the Lord lead you as you continue to navigate, study, exegete, and exposit the text. And so that's what I'm here to do. And this is not a Bible study. This is a meditational reading. So we're going to read, and then we're just going to ask the Lord, what is he speaking into? And that's why I call it a rant, because what this is, is an opportunity for you all to eavesdrop into what I do on a daily basis. And so um, it's it's not a, an exhaustive Bible study by any measure. Uh, it's just simply an opportunity for us to engage with God in his word. And so that's what we're going to do. And one thing I want to encourage you to do is to read along with me. That's what I want you to do. And we'll be reading through Psalms 101. And and so we're starting from Psalms 101, and then we'll just go as, as the time permits us today. And, um, and we're going to ask three questions. The three questions that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we're going to ask is, is God, what are you revealing concerning me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've brought us here together. Lord, people from all parts of the world right now are coming together to read your word. Father, I just pray that you would speak wisdom, grace, give us insight into your will, your heart, your desire for us, your people, your children. Lead us today in your word that we would know you more. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Let us read Psalms 101. And it says this, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I'll behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who, is, who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works de deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. A Psalm of David. Psalms 102. Verse one, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call. Answer me speedily, for my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I lie awake and am like a sparrow alone on the housetop. My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that lengthens and I wither away like 
grass, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come for your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. So the nation shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory for the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. This is written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Hmm. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From the heaven, the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdom served the Lord. He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations of old. You laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow like a garment, like a cloak. You shall change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of him, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Hmm. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself with light as with a garment who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire, who lay, you who laid the foundation of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. Hmm. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the voice of your thunder, they hastened away. 
They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys, to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, and they may not return to cover the earth. He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them, the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. When the birds make their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it is night in which all the beasts and the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor into the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great. There are the ships sail about. Sorry, there the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan, which you have made to play there. These all wait for you, that you may give them food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open their hand, they are filled with good. You hide their face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created. You renew the face of the earth. May the Lord God endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I'll be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. Hmm. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. It's a lot there. Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. When they were few in number, indeed, very few and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for famine in the land. He destroyed all the provisions of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who he sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The rule of the people let him go free. 
He made him lord over his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt. Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark. And they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs. Even in the chamber of their kings, he spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in the land. He struck their vines also and their fig trees and splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke and locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation of the land. He devoured the fruit of the ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn of their land, the first of all their strength, he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light at night. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It, rain, it ran sorry, in dry places like a river. For he resembled his holy promise. And Abraham, his servant, he brought out his people with joy and his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the land of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. Hmm. One more. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Who can utterly, sorry, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? <clears throat> who can declare all his praise? Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have towards your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Hmm. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the sea also and dried it up, so he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of those who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their requests, but sent leanness into their soul. And they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and covered the faction of Abiram. A fire was kindled in their company. A flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a molded image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. Mm. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them. He had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not receive his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he raised his hand in oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations and to scatter them in the lands. 
They joined themselves also to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices made to the dead. They provoked him to anger with their deeds and the plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and intervened and the plague had was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of strife so that they went ill with Moses on account to them because they rebelled against his spirit so that he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom God had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their works and played the harlot by their deeds. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people, so that he abhorred his own inheritance. He gave them into the hand of the Gentiles, and those who hated them ruled over them. The enemies also oppressed them, and they brought into subjection under the land. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel, and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercies. Hmm. He also made them to be pitied by all those who carried them away captive. Save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're here for the first time, uh, this may be new. You may just have just jumped in in the middle of this and you're wondering, what are we actually doing here? Uh, we have a couple hundred of you who gather every morning to spend time in the reading of the word. And what we've been doing is, is that we've been journeying through scripture from beginning to end, starting from Genesis all the way to Malachi. And of course, by God's grace, we're going to go through the New Testament. Um, we've already read through the New Testament, and now we're kind of going through the Old Testament. When we started the reading, ran, it began with that Matthew all the way to Revelation. And now we're in Genesis. Sorry, now we're in the Old Testament where we've gone from Genesis. And now we're in the book of Psalms. We're now, we have now, by the way, congratulations, completed the fourth book in Psalm, in Psalms. And I remember telling you this before that what Psalms is, is a compilation um, it's a compilation of compilations. It's a collection of compilations, if you will. Um, you have um, these <clears throat> books that were brought together and organized in a certain way, which came from a collection of songs that were written by various authors. That's right. It's a mixtape. And so the author of Psalms is really it's a collect, it's a collector, it's a curator, it's a divine curator. It's one that has been collected together to help shape, to mold the people, to cultivate the people, to lead the people, to help the people in the season that they're in. But it's important for us to understand that for them to know the season that they're in, they have to know where they came from and how they got there. And if you've been reading with us and journeying with us from the beginning when we read from Genesis, and maybe you jumped in in Exodus, maybe you jumped in with us in Leviticus, maybe you jumped in with us in Numbers, and maybe you jumped in with us in Deuteronomy, maybe you jumped in in Joshua, wherever you jumped in on. One thing that I always look to do as new people are coming in and participating and being a part of this is I always like to take a break and to do a recap. And so you may have caught a recap, you know, as we've journeyed through this. And all the recaps that you've caught 
I hope what you're noticing is that there's a consistent theme here throughout this this book. First of all, we see who's at the center of this book. The the the, the people who are at the center of this book. The people who um, who God has chosen, the children of Israel. Of course, Israel was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Abraham had received a promise from God. And that promise from God was that he would be the father of many nations, that it was through him that humanity would find restoration since all was broken at the garden when Adam and Eve had sinned against God, choosing to be their own ambassadors rather than ambassadors of God. God has been in the business of establishing his kingdom. That's what God has always been about. And yet in the establishing of his kingdom, he chooses to rule along with his people. He chooses humanity to rule with them. And so the earth is ruled by humans, humanity. He said, fill the earth, subdue it. Literally saying, multiply my presence all throughout the earth. Command, conquer, rule the earth. Fill the earth, subdue it. When he's talking about humanity, he sees humanity as extensions of himself. Humans are extensions of his presence. When the scriptures say, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, he's literally saying, I'm going to extend my authority, my power, my being, my presence through them in the same way that an ambassador is an extension of a nation in another nation's territory. He wanted us to occupy. <laughs> he wanted us to occupy the earth, fill the earth, subdue the earth. But to occupy it means to do the business of God, establishing his rule, his justice, his righteousness. And Adam and Eve failed in doing so because Adam and Eve chose to commit treason and to do their own thing. And now we've seen the consequence of that because even though he called Abraham and through Abraham came a promise that he would father many nations, but from Abraham, then to Isaac, then to Israel, then to the children of Israel, then to the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel, we, we saw the whole story. And what I hope that you see here, for those of you who have been reading with us from the beginning, and I hope that this has been eye-opening for you now that you've read the whole thing, now that you're reading the whole thing. I hope One thing I'm hoping is happening is, is I'm hoping that the Bible is coming together for you. Okay? That, that's one of my, my desires. I want to see the Bible come together so that it doesn't look like just a bunch of piecemeal ideas and scattered thoughts and scattered principles and just stuff all over the place, but that it would all come together. And all of a sudden now, now that you've read Genesis, Exodus, Vigus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, Samuel, 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Now that we're in Psalms, sorry, I can't speak fast. I apologize. But now that we are in Psalms, when you're reading these Psalms, I hope what's happening for those who've been journeying with me is I hope you go, oh, I remember reading about this. I hope what's happening is you go, I remember when that happened. Wait, wasn't that in, that must've been in, was that in first Samuel? Was that in second Samuel? No, 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 no. That was in second Kings. Yeah. I remember that. What they're speaking about with David. Oh, I remember what he's talking about when, when in, in Psalm 108. I, I remember this story. This was, these were the 10 plagues. Wait, I remember that. What, where did that happen? Was that, in, that must've been in, was that in, was that in Exodus? Yeah, I think, it, I think that was in Exodus. And I, I remember when he was talking about the golden calf at, at Horeb. I remember that. Where was that again? Was that, no, that was in Exodus as well. I, I hope you guys are seeing what, what, what's happening here is when you start reading the scripture, and all of a sudden, you start getting a feel for where you read these things. Then you go, oh, that's right. That was Exodus 13. 
Oh, that's right. That was that was Exodus 33 when when Moses was on the mountain. Oh, that's right. That was now if you don't have all that yet, that's okay. But as long as now you're beginning to see, hold on, that was an Exodus. You're growing. Or you say, wait, I'm reading this here in Psalms, but this is not separate of everything else. This is this is part of the story. Right? In Psalm 105, verse 40, when, when you read that, you go, wait, there was a time when they complained about food. When was that? I, I think that was in Numbers. Yeah, that was in Numbers. Yeah. And the Lord gave them manna. And then he gave them quail. Oh, yeah, I remember all of that. This is how we grow. And, and so it's encouraging when I hear people saying, I'm starting to make the connections. I see now how all of this is being pieced together. And so I want to first say that, that, that that's encouraging to see. I want to say also that when you start reading through the entire text, you begin to see different vantage points. You begin to see different perspectives of the same story. Like, for example, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see different perspectives of the same historical account the same story. Different perspectives, different things are highlighted, different things are being pointed out. When we read the Torah at the beginning, a few months back, when we read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, we read through the story of the children of Israel. The, somehow they play a key role in this. Israel. Uh, let me back up for a second. If you're going to read this, Right. If you read through the Bible, you're going to begin to see how important Israel's role is in what God is doing in the in human history. If you read the Bible, you should see the importance of the children of Israel. This people, they play a very critical important role in what God is doing in humanity. And if it is important, and if they are important, then it is important for us to engage in the activity of understanding how they view the world, how they view God, how they view what God is doing because it is through this that God is revealing who he is. The most authentic understanding of God and the most authentic expression of your Christian faith is going to be deeply rooted in your understanding or, or conditional upon, not rooted, but conditional upon your understanding of the children of Israel. Any form of Christianity, and I, I just kind of have to point this out because this is important. Any Christian expression that tries to center itself on its own cultural expression, ignoring Israel, is inauthentic and misguided. Any expression that is influenced by a cultural way of thought, a cultural philosophy, a cultural doctrine, a cultural ideology that isn't rooted in Hebraic thinking is going to be misguided, misdirected, and I will say this, demonic. This is the issue with terminologies like white evangelicalism because white evangelicalism is rooted in a cultural way of thinking, a political ideology that is, that is not an expression of Christian faith. Jesus would see the white evangelical church today and be like, what is this? In the same way, Suffering theology and Hebrew-Israelite doctrine that looks to establish the black identity 
to the Hebrew identity and to equate the black identity to the Hebrew identity and to say that the finality of God's work is to restore the black identity and the Hebrew identity within the Hebrew identity is also demonic because that's a glory of race and not a glory of Christ. I only say all this because I know I'm speaking to some people who they're still working some things out in their faith and trying to understand all of this. You have to dismantle all the stuff. And I hate having to say it this way, but you have to dismantle a lot of stuff that you grew up with because a lot of stuff that you grew up with, you're filtering it. You're filtering what you're reading through the stuff that you grew up with. And so because you're filtering it through the stuff that you grew up with and stay with me for a second, because this is important because you're filtering through the stuff that you grew up with, you're informing your understanding of God through an experience that is not reflective of God. Stay with me, fam, because I'm going to get somewhere with this. And so because of that, when you when on the back that if if uh, if your understanding of God is on the backdrop of your own call it church experience, then you've already missed God. You want to know how I know some people got it wrong? Because there are people who are religious and they know more about what their pastor has said about what God says than to hear from God directly about what God says. But then there are those also who are anti-religious, who they're actually, they actually don't have a view of God. They have a view of something that they connect to God. And so because they're against the thing that they connect to God, they're against God. I've learned that people who are, um, who either say they hate God, they don't actually hate God. They hate a thing that represented God. They actually don't hate God. They hate a thing that they connected to God. And because they hate a thing that they connected to God, now they have an issue with God. No, you don't have an issue with God. <laughs> Your issue is the fact that you had an idol that you uh, worshipped or that you esteemed, or that you trusted. And that thing was connected to God. And because that thing let you down, you somehow equated that to somehow either God let you down or God does not exist or whatever it is. Because Western Christianity is not the authentic expression of the Christian faith. You have to go back to the root and you have to read the scriptures. And so if you read the scriptures, you cannot ignore the importance that the Hebrew people, the role that the Hebrew people play and the role that the Hebrew people will play in the restoration of the earth. Now, here, ready for this? Here's where, here's where religion gets in the way. And here's where we've grown up with certain things that we've been told. And because we grew up with certain things that we've been told, we ignore some of the stuff that we read when we read it in the things that we read. I read this, for example, in Psalm 104 that we read today. We're going to point out a couple of things. And these Hebrew people, oh, sorry, before I even say that, um, it's a rant. So y'all know I'm all over the place. Um, let me make sure I point this out as well, because this is important to point out, is notice that we have read through the history. We've read this history already. And for many of you, 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 you've seen, if you've been reading with me, you go, I, I, I remember this. I remember reading that in Psalms or sorry. I remember reading that in Exodus or I remember reading that in second Kings, or I remember reading this and cause he's, they're speaking about David here. They're speaking about, um, um, exile. They're speaking about the 10 plagues when they were, uh, uh, being delivered from the hand of the Egyptians. They're speaking about the stuff that transpired when they were in the wilderness. And they're speaking about this faithfulness of God. And so we see this uh, continuity in the message as we're closing this book about how faithful God has been. But we've read about this. The only thing is, is we read it from a historical point of view. 
Now we're reading it from a very personal point of view. What Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy gave us, it gave us an exterior perspective of what has happened in the life of the Hebrew people. Psalms now gives us an interior perspective, allowing us now to step into how the Hebrew people reminded themselves about what happened then, right? It's one thing for me to tell you that um, a certain thing has transpired in the life of a person. It's another thing to hear the person share it with you and to speak about it. Because when the person shares it, they don't simply just share to you what happened. They share to you how it affected them, how it influenced them, where they are in all of it. It speaks to the person's emotional state, mental state, their, 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 where they see themselves in all of it. So all this is, is important because we're seeing a new perspective of this. Now, watch. These people are speaking into the reality of the experience through the lens of their experience, which is the lens that we ought to be looking at it in, which is why I love the book of Psalms. But notice some things that we often filter out through our own experience and through our own way of thinking. If you look in Psalm 104, it says, um, verse 5, is you who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. I picked that one, but I can go Psalm 102, when it speaks about in verse 18, that this will be written from generation to come, that the people yet to be created may praise the Lord. And then in verse 25 in Psalm 102, stay with me, I'm getting somewhere here. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heaven and the work of your hands. It, it speaks, he opens up this part at the beginning to speak on the faithfulness of God, to show that the God who existed at the beginning of all time, before time even existed, is the same God now. He's the same God today, he's the same God uh, yesterday, and he's the same God forevermore. And so it's speaking about a God who never changes because that's who God is, he never changes. He's the same God. Now, if God never changes, his heart never changes, his will never changes, his dispositions never change. So if all those things are true about God, then it says, he who works deceit will not dwell within my house. Verse seven in Psalm 101. We're going to walk through these, these last, these Psalms right here. Um, um, he who, who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy the wicked in the land that I may cut off the evildoers from the city of the Lord. We're beginning to see what judgment looks like. We're beginning to see an image of judgment. This God who never changes, who was there from all time, from the beginning of all time, who is establishing the earth in, in, in Psalm 102. Notice what he says there. He says, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever. So not only did he exist in all times, he's going to exist for all time. And he says, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to, did he say some generations? No, he said all generations. So therefore, you, O Lord, shall endure forever. You, O Lord, will be remembered forever. You, O Lord, will be remembered for all generations. They're literally saying right here, God ain't going nowhere. God's never changed, he won't change, and he's not going anywhere. Can I just begin to somebody right now? Because this is so important. Even though situations might change, even though circumstances might change, even though people may change, even though the money might change, but there's one thing I can assure you, God, never changes. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. 
Your God never changes. His mind never changes. His will never changes. His promises never change. That's why the Bible says that his promises are yes and amen. Therefore, if everything around you is changing and everything around you seems to be falling apart, fam, go to the anchor, go to the rock, go to the thing that never changes. This is the God you serve. You know, it's kind of crazy because I think often we have this perception that God must have changed his mind. God must have done something else. God must have maybe, no, God never, never. God is not a man that he should lie. So when he says in Psalm 102, verse 12, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever. He's speaking to the continuity of God, that God, he says endure. The word endure there is it's a consistent presence, a consistent being. No matter what comes against him, he is consistently that. That never changes. Okay? Again, I, I know I just spit a whole bunch of different verses, but that was just to support that. That a God who endures means that there's going to be things that come against him that confront his continuity, but his continuity never changes. <laughs> And he says, and so th this is what the psalmist says. Notice what the, what the, what the mixtape DJ is doing here is he's speaking about this God who is eternal, this God who never changes, this God who was there from before, and this God who will be there in the end. And notice what he says in verse 25 of Psalm 102. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. I don't have enough time to, to break all that down, but if you read, if you read, if you continue to read in verse 26, they will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them and they will be changed. Notice God doesn't change. They will be changed. How do we know that? Because notice what it says in verse 27, but you are the same and your years will have no end. So this is how we're closing out the song here. We're closing out this compilation with the very fact that God does not change. So what does this God who does not change do? And how do we respond to a God who is faithful in that he is a God who doesn't change? We give him praise. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. These are the songs that the Hebrew people were singing and, and, and articulating to, to remind those who are going to come from generations after them that no matter what happens, you ought to bless the Lord because God doesn't change. And that when you bless him, all that is within you, you must bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my souls, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. So now he's breaking down everything that God has done. And notice what he speaks into in verse 15. But as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes for the wind passes over and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy, stay with me there. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, his righteousness to the children's children. That means that God's kingdom, God's rule, because we talked about God's righteousness, God's kingdom, God's rule, God's justice, who God is, what he does, what he's establishing, what he's creating does not change. It will persevere. It will persist and it will prevail. Now, I want to make sure y'all get this. So everything that we see that was broken with Adam and Eve, everything that we see that sin has brought into the world, everything that we see, God is making all those things right because God has not changed. We're the ones who need to do the changing. God is not the one that needs to do the changing. Did you hear me, family? I want to make sure this is very clear to you. We need to change, not God. God doesn't need to change. God cannot change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is everlasting. The problem is, is that if the world resembled the heart, 
the will, the love, the righteousness, the justice of God, the world wouldn't need to change either. The problem is, is that the world doesn't look like God. And because the world doesn't look like God, everything that is wrong in the world is opposite to the character and the heart and the will of God. So what needs to change is not God. We need to change. Family, you know what repentance is? People sometimes think of repentance as, well, I felt bad for what I did. Um, then people say, I feel sorry for what I did. That's not repentance. That's remorse. Remorse is when you feel bad for what you did. Repentance doesn't require you to be remorseful. Sometimes being remorseful helps you repent. But repentance doesn't require that. Repentance literally means to change. I always think, oh, I repent. No, you don't repent. You just feel bad. But when you repent, you can do it with a smile on your face and say, from here on out, I'm changing my mind. From here on out, I will be transformed by the renewing of the mind. From here on out, I will not be what I was. From here on out, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to turn away. That's what repent means. It means to turn away, not to feel bad. If you allow me to rant for a second, I have an issue with people who simply just feel bad about the stuff that they do. Feeling bad ain't going to fix nothing. Just because you feel bad about what you did doesn't mean you're going to change. That's for somebody who needs to hear this as well. Is yeah, you can forgive somebody for what they did. But if you're forgiving them simply because they felt bad for what they did, I'm sorry, fam. There are people who will feel bad for what they did. They don't feel bad because they did it. They're going to feel bad because of how you feel about what they did. They'll feel bad because of how it affected you. They'll feel bad because they got caught. That's why they feel bad. And feeling bad doesn't change nobody. How do we know that? Because there are people who feel bad over and over and over again and still make the same mistakes over and over and over again. You see, here's the problem. We equated remorse to repentance. Repentance is not remorse. Repentance is literally to say, with a clear thought and a clear disposition, I am changing my mind, changing who I am and changing how I live and what I do. That is repentance. Sorry, I, I, I'm, I, I got a couple minutes. So just give me like five to 10 minutes and then I'm gonna let you guys go because I'm, I'm, I'm ranting. I want to get to my point because that wasn't my point, but I felt it was important for me to say that. Um, Psalm 103, he's speaking about a people who need to change their lives. They need to change. And then notice what he says in verse 19. This righteousness, this justice, this justice, this mercy, he says in verse 17, is from everlasting to everlasting. It doesn't change. Notice that it doesn't change. This is important because it's going to change. This is going to change some, some today. It doesn't change. And then look at verse 18 to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his covenant to do them again. That's his rule, his law that doesn't change. Mm -hmm. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. It's about the kingdom and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord. You his angels. Bless the Lord. He is speaking about a thing that doesn't change. And a thing that is to be established. It's an aspiring of a thing that is to come. The Hebrew people understood this. That even though the world looks upside down, God's rule on the earth is not done yet. God's waiting for some people who will change. And in response to the unchanging authority of God, the power of God, comes the response of praise of his people. Now, this is where things get real weird for some people. And maybe it's just some, maybe not all. But it's in Psalm 104, when in verse 5, now we know a God who does not change. We know God, he rules over a kingdom that doesn't change. We know a God now who has an authority that doesn't change. But there's an earth that is broken that needs to change. So the question that many people ask is what happens after all this is done? 
See, many people think that what God wants to do is take us from the earth, pull us away, and take us up into heaven so that we can leave this horrible place called earth. And for many people, they have a disconnect with what God is trying to do and where God is actually taking his people. Stay with me because this is so important. Because the way the Hebrew people saw it was way different. When we read Psalm 104, again, bless the Lord, O my soul. Look at verse 5. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. You can have all kinds of views about the world and about the end and about how things are going to end. People generally have a view, and you see it in the movies, zombie apocalypses. You see... Um, you know, movies of Armageddon. And now people are getting on spaceships to try to make sure we have another place to go in case, you know, all this ends and all this is destroyed because the earth is only going to survive for a certain period of time before it won't be able to sustain life anymore. And everyone has a morbid view of what God is doing on the earth. And for many of us, everybody's trying to run. Everybody's trying to go. But the Hebrew people knew that a God who doesn't change, a God who laid the foundations of the earth, wanted to restore his righteousness and justice on the earth. You who laid the foundations of the earth in verse nine, so that it should not be moved forever. God was not looking to destroy the earth and to take people out of the earth. He was looking to change a people and to establish now a new heaven and a new earth. God is coming to restore the earth, not destroy the earth. Verse 30, you send forth your spirit. They are created and you renew the face of the earth. Did you see that? I don't know if you're reading what I'm reading, because this is what I'm reading. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. I want us to think about this as we close. Because if there's anything that really sticks out to me today is that the church today has lost all connection with what's going on in the world because somehow the church feels like they have no participation in what's going on in the world, which is a travesty because what God wants is a church that is engaged with bringing his righteousness to the world. We have people waiting for one glad morning when this life is over to fly away. And yet what God wants is his people to be intimately engaged with what's going on in the world. The question is, is have we separated ourselves from the world so much so that we're even ineffective to do what God is calling us to do? And this is my word of conviction for those of you who are here. Have you disconnected yourself so far from the world? From people who are quote unquote outside the church that you are of no good use to the church and to Christ. We are in the world. We're not of the world, but we're still in the world. So stop living a life where you're waiting for God to take you out of this broken, miserable place and to realize that God called you to be the solution to bring restoration and healing to this broken, miserable place. We're called to engage, y'all. Not run away, but run towards And you're called to do that in your business. 
You're called to do that when you teach. Some of you guys are about to go teach. Some of you guys are about to go work. Some of you guys are about to go. Um, I, you know, there are chefs in here. There are professors in here. Um, I've got board members in here. I've got CEOs who come in here. I've got, I've gotten your messages and I'm encouraged by the fact that you guys say, Hey, we're doing, we do the reading rant together. Um, I've got artists, I've got poets, I've got people who watch the reading or maybe not watch, but listen to the reading rant podcast. And they're all, you know, they, they, they're all doing ministry right where they are. They just don't know yet. We got nurses in here. You guys are about to lead. We got a code enforcement guy. All of you are about to leave your homes, if not already at jo- at your work or at your job. And you are about to carry the presence of God with you. God is calling you and he's commissioning you right where you are in what you do to bring the righteousness and justice of God. God's not asking you to leave the world. He's asking you to engage with the world in the unique gift, the talent, the training, and the equipping. Last thing I'll say, what does it mean to be fruitful and multiply? What does it mean to fill the earth and to subdue it? I have one word for that. And it's a critical vision of mine. That word is occupy. Maybe I'm going to call this episode occupy. That's what I'll do. I'll put it on the podcast. I'll put it on Patreon right after this. Occupy. You say, well, how do I occupy? Do the business and the activity that God has gifted you, trained you, equipped you to do and do it for his glory. Occupy. So family, occupy today. Bring the love of Jesus where you are today. Bring the grace of Jesus where you are today. Bring the hope of Jesus where you are today. Occupy. When you walk in there, know I'm an ambassador of Christ today. Occupy. Know that God is not done with what's happening on the earth. Occupy. Know that God is coming to bring his kingdom on the earth. Occupy. Know that God is establishing a new heaven and a new earth, and he's partnering along with me to do it. Occupy. Know that God is not done, and his kingdom will reign, and he will establish his kingdom forevermore, and he's doing it with his people. Occupy. The army of the Lord is coming to infiltrate the city, and Jesus will stand there as the general of the army. Standing before him, we read it in Revelation. And who's going to be coming alongside him? It's the doctors, the lawyers, the ministers, the leaders, the preachers, the people, all of you, the service workers, the code enforcers, all of you. Occupy. Occupy your city today. Occupy your community today. Bring hope to a person who needs hope today. Speak life into someone who needs life spoken into them today. Prophesy to somebody who needs to be prophesied to. Pray for somebody who needs to be prayed for. Lead somebody to the wisdom and the knowledge of Christ, not just by giving them a track or a pamphlet or a flyer. Occupy. Let them see Jesus through you. Invite them into who Christ is by simply occupying today. Father, I ask that you would bless us. Lord, give us grace. Lord, teach us, Lord God how we ought to be. Lord, give us the confidence of knowing, Lord, that you are the God who never changes. You rule, and you've given us the privilege to praise you. So allow us to praise you today through our work, through the things that we do today. Teach us to occupy. Lord, guide us, Lord God, that we would have a cognizance, an understanding, a wisdom, an insight, a clarity, a knowing, Lord, that you are with us, that you never leave us, nor you forsake, nor forsake us. Father, as we leave here, let us be reminded that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives forever. And that we will dwell in your house, in your presence forever and ever. Amen. God bless you guys. Um, Bible study tomorrow. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Uh, confirming it. Bible study tomorrow. So I look forward to seeing you all. Um, I will post a link on Patreon. I want to thank all my patrons who support Again, I want to thank all the people who are donating as well. Thank you so much for your support. Um, I have some exciting news coming very soon.
Okay. Can't share it yet, but I have some exciting news coming very soon. And, um, and, and I want to be sure to share it with all of you. Uh, but I want to just thank all my patrons who make this ministry possible, who make me come and doing reading rants every morning possible. And, uh, and I look forward to sharing some news with you all. But if you are interested in becoming a patron, um, just click the link in the profile, click the link in the bio. It's patreon.com slash, um, Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. I know I got a whole community of y'all who are here. Um, and I know I'm praying that the Lord will, uh, uh, you know, give us the resources to be able to do what he's calling us to do. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you all. Um, I shared my, my heart, my vision that's also on Patreon. So you can just click in, you can see it there. Um, shared my heart, shared a little bit of our story. So I'm just encouraged by all of you. And then there are those of you are asking how to support, uh, maybe you can't be a patron, but every now and then you feel like you can support. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Now, those of you who are patrons as well who are saying, Hey, I'd, I'd like to support in addition to being a patron. Thank you so much. I, I'm so encouraged by that. I see more of you are doing that as well. Um, if you are looking to support, it's give.opusfrayer.com. It's give.opusfrayer.com. So um, I want to thank you in advance for all your support. It is Valentine's Day. So guys, enjoy it. Um, enjoy this day. All right. And uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Love y'all. Peace out.